We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. Week 11 rankings breakdown each position. Want to remind everyone to play in the best tournament on DraftKings, the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. Link is in the description. $15 to play, three max entry, no rake. So even if you come in the very last spot of the cash, you're going to at least double your money. Very flat payout structure. Makes it a very sustainable ecosystem if you want to play in every single week, which I do, and I'm dead money, so we're good to go. Also, smash the like button to the episode, and in the comment section, you tell me where you would rank Mike Davis this week if Christian McCaffrey sits. That's what I want to know. If you have a question, a trade question, not necessarily start sit. I take all start sit questions on Friday evenings during the Friday evening show. Uh, that's when the entire forum is opened up. If you have a trade question, add drop question, anything like that, as we near the trade deadline, revert to Monday's show where I'm doing the same thing. There's a question and answer period in that comment section. You leave it in the comment section. I will get back to you by Wednesday morning-ish. Probably Tuesday evening. That's probably fair because I know a lot of people's waivers actually move on Tuesday evening. I think that's everything. Oh, wait, it's not. If you go to ftnfantasy.com right now, the rest of the season package through the Super Bowl is only $19.99. That gets you access to all of the tools at ftnfantasy.com, plus all of the rankings, Brad Evans, Jeff Radcliffe. I got some stuff up there, Chris Meany. There's a ton of great paywall content, but it's really the tools that you want, the splits tools, the matchup tools, uh, the projections, all that fun stuff. So go to ftnfantasy.com. Less than 20 bucks. Go take advantage of that deal through the Super Bowl or just ftndaily.com because that's where yeah, that's where the big money is when in daily. So we'll be doing the DraftKings show later this week. Anyway, my rankings are all up on dkplaybook.com right now. They will be updated every single day for when news breaks. You can find those in the description of this video, too, if you if you really want to go into that. Jake Sealy from The Athletic, as he is on Tuesdays, is on the line. What's going on? <laughs> uh, no sleep, in case, I don't know if you noticed. It, not to hijack your show, but thanks to everybody for the support for Barkley and her emergency surgery last night. Uh, is Barkley okay? 
Yeah, she had a bone lot. It was like this big too. I tweeted out the picture of it. I don't know how she wasn't choking on it, but yeah, she had a bone lodged in her throat, which apparently could have been life threatening. And I was up not sleeping. They called me at 2 a.m. The surgery went perfectly, got through in record time, and she was home at 3 a.m. And now she's resting today. So thanks to everybody for the support. All right. Well, I'm glad that Berkeley's doing well. You wouldn't want to lose Berkeley. That'd be that'd be terrible. You already lost Saquon Berkeley. No. You can't use it. You can't lose the other. Berkeley. <laughs> can't lose both Berkeleys yeah, in not, the same year. Yeah, 2020. I mean, it's a bad year, but that would just be true. Just horrific. <laughs> No, and I, look, I could, I, I got like an inkling of what you're probably going through if your kids ever get sick, let alone something severe. So, I, best wishes that nothing severe ever happens to you, Pat. Oh well, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I, my, my son keeps waking up at three a.m. Uh, then my other son wakes up at five thirty a.m. when the other one goes back to sleep. So, God bless makeup because I uh, like dark <laughs> circles down to like here underneath my eyes. Anyway, people want to hear about football. Let's talk about running backs in week 11. Uh, I currently have Christian McCaffrey in the rankings, but as you alluded to right before we started recording that he is probably not going to play this week. So we will re-rank Mike Davis and expunge Christian McCaffrey from the rankings here in a second. Chris Carson, I currently have as in only because to give people a, a sense of where I would rank him if he ends up playing. Uh, I think that he's probably about 50-50 to play if he plays at all because I'm not touching any of the other Seahawks running backs and you probably don't want to no. do that either likely out I have Breda Eckler Mixon and Carlos Hyde officially out Gaskin David Johnson Justin Jackson and Chris Thompson who injured his back a week ago so initially I had Christian McCaffrey number three in the rankings but let's take him out of the rankings right now once again smash the like button of the video in the comment section tell me where you would rank Mike Davis this week so Jake if you are a commenter in the comment section <laughs> subscribe to Mayo Media Network on YouTube by the way that that would really help where would you rank Mike Davis because this is a great matchup it is a great matchup, and you know, sadly for everybody out there, I do have him on some DraftKings lineups already because everybody's going to be frustrated about what happened last week. But something that you've talked about many times with the value of Mike Davis is that if it's not happening in the rushing game, similar to Christian McCaffrey, he's used so much of the passing game that it, you're, it's completely offset. I think it really comes down to Teddy Bridgewater because if we don't have Teddy at quarterback, then I am a little bit concerned about the passing game volume for him. So with Teddy in, assuming with what you have your rankings – I would put him probably right behind Derrick Henry in front of Nick Chubb for half-point PPR, uh, just because Nick Chubb, as we saw, even in his first game back, was expected anyway. But he's going to split the cream hunt. Both of them are inside the top 15 to 20 every single week, but he just doesn't have that volume where if Mike Davis is out there, he got banged up in that game was why we saw some Trenton Cannon. So if Mike Davis is fine, he's going to go right back to his 80-90% workload anyway. And I, this is actually shaping up. I'll get into this on the DraftKings show. I got Leone on the show this week. It's a throwback Roto Experts week for all of us here. Davis and James Conner are like back to back in pricing this week. And like the Del Delvin Cook and McCaffrey was and Derrick Henry like and Alvin Kamara are like so high up. Uh, like they're like $9,000. Yeah. Like they're super expensive. These guys are in the mid sixes. I think these two are very comparable this week. Like although because James Conner was brutal last week, at least Davis was $4,000. The whole point on Davis was he's a salary saver. It allows you access to the top end. That's why you end up playing him despite the putrid matchup. It's not like he had a good week. It's not like James Conner had a good week. <laughs> But I feel like the only reason that James Conner didn't have a good week is because Ben threw four touchdowns. Generally, that doesn't happen. No, but there's a little bit more concern than I have for James Conner because that's now two games in a row. And what I put in the waiver column for mine for last week is a tweet that I actually put out that since week six, now I haven't updated for what we just saw in week 10. I don't even know that either one of them had these opportunities. But what I was pointing out is that since week six, Betty Snell and James Conner had the same amount of rushing opportunities inside the 10 yards. So go to goal. 
and also both had three touchdowns. It was 50-50 the entire since week six. And that's what actually Benny Stell did nothing in one of those weeks. So there's a little bit more concern than this. Hey, it's just one off game because it's now it's two off games. And I don't like the Benny Snell usage. I do think this is a great opportunity to bounce back. I wouldn't put them as high because I just have a little bit more concerns than you do. I just look at the snap share last week. 88% of the snaps played 58 snaps to Benny Snell's three. Uh, I don't think that's going to continue every week, but if you can hover right. that 80% range, that's exactly what I want out of James Conner being on this field. And if you told me in advance, guaranteed he's seeing 80% plus, then I would feel better about him. I don't know if that's a one-game scenario, but as you mentioned, too, we weren't expecting all that passing. Is it just that they don't want Benny Snell on the field when Ben Roethlisberger is passing that much? Just a lot that, you know, it could go a number of different ways. Again, we're nitpicking top 10, which we don't like to spend too much time doing. But I tell you, like, I actually think that he's more in the conversation with Mike Davis, down around Nick Chubb, uh, even Derrick Henry in a bad matchup. I would still start those three running backs, Jones, Sanders, and Henry, before I went to Connor. Uh, let's see. Do I have that? Yeah. So let's get to the rankings. Number one in the rankings, Dalvin Cook against the Cowboys. I actually have Joe Mixon in the rankings, by the way. Alvin Kamara, number two against the Falcons at home. I had Christian McCaffrey at three. He's gone. James Conner is now three. Aaron Jones, who is in more of a split situation. It's a very good run defense. Uh, still, I'm fine with Aaron Jones. Number four, Miles Sanders, Derrick Henry. They, I, I really wish it was in Tennessee and not at Baltimore. For some reason, that gives me like uh, you're, you're playing Derrick Henry. Don't even worry about me. Mike Davis, number seven now. <laughs> Nick Chubb, number eight. Josh Jacobs. And I have Joe Mixon at number 10. Like, I feel like if Joe Mixon comes back, you're playing Joe Mixon. You have to. You have to play Joe Mixon. Even before the Joe Mixon injury is, we were getting all excited because Joe Mixon was finally getting that usage and that pr providing value as a top 10 running back. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit of hesitancy, like Nick Chubb just coming back. Maybe Gio gets a little bit more work than he initially was getting when Joe Mixon was healthy. But yeah, you, I don't see how you're not playing Joe Mixon if he's on the field. Uh, when it comes to elite running backs, here's a quick tip, especially from a DraftKings perspective, because we've now seen it three times in a row. The coming off of injured reserve or coming off a few weeks missed like elite running back. Everyone's like, well, I don't know what his workload is going to be. It's going to be any good. They've absolutely fucking smashed every single time. McCaffrey went off. Delvin Cook went off. And Nick Chubb was one inch away from completely smashing that slate and still had like 24 DraftKings points. I was just, I was double checking on Nick Chubb to see exactly what he had because I remember it was a huge day. Yeah, it would add it to that. He probably would have been number one last week. But yeah. Yeah. Was, and that's what we talk about. Last week was a weird running back week. It just, no one really jumped out in a lot of the like Jones no. and Cook kind of had the letdown. Yeah, there was a lot of that. I had a lot of Jones. That was definitely a lot of letdown. But if you look at it, this is something we talk about every year in seasonal, and not just DraftKings as well, but it both is elite level players, even wide receivers. You know, there of course there's the downside that they have a mediocre game and are only a two, like a wide receiver two or RB two. But if that's your floor, and we're talking about these elite level guys, is just plug them back in your lineup 100% because nine out of 10 times it goes fine. And you just mentioned that it's actually happened 100% three times in a row so far. So uh, if you're looking at what are you going to lose, what's the worst case scenario? They score seven points for you. Here's the question. Do you want to watch 20 points show up on your bench because you were worried to start an elite player? I see benching Ronald Jones last week, and then he puts up like 30 points on your bench. Like, that's one thing. Well, that's different. Yeah, it is. But like benching <laughs> Nick Chubb and watching it happen, it's like, oh, I really wanted to play, I don't know. 
of Joshua Kelly instead. It's like, what are you doing? What, what are we doing? What, no. what, 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 what idea are you going with in your lineup? Here? I want to go through 11 to 20, though, because some of these names are hilarious. I have Chris Carson at number 11. That's granted if he plays. Number 12, Antonio Gibson. Then James Robinson, DeAndre Swift, Kareem Hunt, J.D. McKissick, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Damian Harris, and then Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Wouldn't normally have Damian Harris this high as the guy who hasn't caught a pass in three weeks, but it's against Houston. You can run all over Houston, and if that's what the Patriots do decide to do, if they don't get down by too much against the Texans, then it should be the Damian Harris show, I would think. But this is a, I mean, I, I did not think I'd see a day where I'd be starting J.D. McKissick over Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> I, I don't think we see the day either, but he's was 15 targets last week. Holy hell, dude. Like If, if Alex Smith is going to be targeting him to that volume and trading him as his number one wide receiver, I don't care that it only comes at like five yards a clip. It, it's just going to be such a great floor with the upside for a top 10 finish. Yeah, it, Todd Gurley feels shaky against the Saints, especially with their run defense. Ezekiel Elliott, Good matchup to a degree. Vikings better than they were at the beginning of the year, but that offense looks miserable. Like Hopefully, it sounds like Andy Dalton's back. Uh, maybe that wakes up the offense a little bit. The biggest concern I have, as you already mentioned him, is Damian Harris, only because I actually wrote him up as a sleeper in my rankings column this week, is it's it's trusting Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah. And that's... Well, Sony Michelle active and getting 18 carries this week would shock nobody. <laughs> Yeah, this is true, but like when you start looking below that, it's just a bunch of bad situ like they're guys. all bad situation guys. Uh and even like above that, like with Gurley, he's been saving his fantasy year by scoring touchdowns. Now he's going to get those right. goal line carries. That was part of the reason to draft him to begin with. But he's averaging what, three yards per carry over the past seven games? It's it's crazy. His touchdown rate is actually off the charts. So when you're talking about running backs and it's you can look at it two ways. You can say he continues to get all those opportunities and a great offense for it. So why are we complaining? And you can make the comparison and say, you know, Tyler Lockett for years has had that rapport with Russell Wilson. Everybody's just like, oh, I just can't continue and just continues to continue until this year where he's been more boomer bust. But you can make that argument. But obviously there's the risk because if he doesn't score a touchdown, it might not even be an RB2 type of day because he's usually hovering in that 50 to 60 yard range and not much use in the passing game at all. Honestly, 70 yards and a touchdown at this point will make you a running back, too, with some of the scores that we've seen put up. <laughs> uh, this week, you might get into the I think 70 and a touchdown would have you in the RB1 range, at least pushing it. 21 to 30. I have the Duke of Johnson at number 21. Thank God Mike Davis came up to save everyone from that DraftKings trap last week. Kalen Bellage <laughs> at number 22. Ronald Jones, Melvin Gordon, Chase Edmonds, Daryl Henderson, Leonard Fournette, Naheem Hines is at the tops of... The Packers running backs, uh, Salvan Ahmed uh, at the Broncos, number 29. And let's see here. Kenyon Drake at number 30. Drake played more than Edmonds, but unsurprisingly, Edmonds, Barely. Was, Edmonds was better than Drake on a per-touch basis. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep going. Uh, of course. And against Seattle, I'm just going to go with the guy who catches passes. Yeah, the passing game one. You talked about Ronald Jones earlier. <laughs> I, think, I think the funny thing about that is everybody was surprised that Ronald Jones wasn't done for the day after he fumbled <laughs> because – they're just everybody watching that game. Well, there we go. Ronald Jones is done again. And then he goes off what it ended up being 198 yards or something ridiculously stupid like that. Uh, the one thing about the Rams is that they're kind of more susceptible to pass catching running backs. So I'm not saying start Leonard Fournette over him, but be prepared to be screwed by again with Ronald Jones. So I, I'm looking here and I would I've, I would have Hines, the highest Colts running back as well. 
I don't really know what to do at this point with Jonathan Taylor and Jordan Wilkins. I guess Wilkins would be the one you gamble for their touchdown, but that's annoying backfield that I just want to avoid altogether. I completely agree, but I don't think that a lot of people have that luxury at this point. Like you could probably could have picked right. Hines. And I, I revert back to week one, Jake, when I said trade Austin Eckler for Naheem Hines. Now, that was the wrong call, but it's currently correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wrong right call well, <laughs> you, well you know how like you can come on and victory lap like really sharp calls i can only victory lap really bad calls that i can win because of injuries <laughs> no you hey i i get you saw i gave you credit in the sharp call of josh reynolds last week well i mean the reynolds snap shares are back up it's the one thing about paying attention to the snap report every week i think that's where i think the sometimes that the snap share stuff can get really overvalued and people can put too much stock into it. But I do think that it shows some trends too, like when they exist over two weeks, like you can tell backfield wise, you know, are these guys the bell cow backs or at least proto bell cow backs and what we consider that today, like 60% plus, or are they just in a pure split? Like does Ronald Jones lead the team one week? Does Fournette lead it another? Yes. That's what the backfield report tells us. The receiving one, it's just a bit harder to find. It's a bit trickier to kind of parse because a lot of it depends on game flow and situation, depending on the receiver sets that are being run out. But with the Rams, like it was very clear that Josh Reynolds was playing a whole lot more and like his air yards are beating Cooper cup and Robert Woods since he started being back on the field full time. Well, and I know we're not talking wide receivers, but since we're on it too, the other part about Josh Reynolds is similar to last year when we were talking about the Cooper cup was coming off the field. They started doing that this past week in week 10 too. Cooper cup did not have his 90% snap share like he used to. And he was coming off the field and Josh Reynolds was coming on it. That's what we saw at the end of last year. The end of last year coincided with a lot more 12, as we remember until uh, Gerald Everett got hurt. But that's the concern uh, for Cooper cup as a side. And that's the upside of Josh Reynolds now. Kalen Balage doesn't feel good. But, <laughs> hey, once again, it's another revenge game for Kalen Balage. Yeah, you, you know how I feel about that, but I also feel the fact that watching the last two games, I said I wasn't ready to forget everything I knew about Kalen Balage after the first game, but after two games, he looks different. I don't know what happened between you know all the other teams that he was on and now. Gase. I don't know if this coaching staff... What? Well, it was it was Gase when he was with Miami. That it was Gase <laughs> when he was on the Jets. Just take this guys. Just Gase. You, know, you get away from Gase. All of a sudden, you're a good fantasy player. I mean, if we want to go there, that's where I was going to go with the coaching, not to exactly with Gase, but this coaching staff is knowing how to get the best out of him. I still don't think that Kalen Balaj is obviously a top 10, 15 running back talent, but, you know, obviously there's something here with what they're getting out of him. So, yeah, I think you have to use them against the Jets. Honestly, you know, if you told me you feel better about Balaj than Damian Harris, uh, you know, I love the matchup as much as you do with Harris. And I would play Harris in front of Balaj. I'm just saying, if you wanted to go Balaj, I think we're at the point now where I'm not going to argue with you much. Uh, Salvin Ahmed, number 29. This is assuming that Matt Breda is out. So let's, let's go through the two scenarios here. Matt Breda is out. Jordan Howard obviously cut, so he can't steal touchdowns and hurt us anymore <laughs> until he ends up on, like, the Jets or something like that. I'll be like, oh, the Jets. They finally got a guy in Jordan Howard. But uh, is that too low for him? I think it's a little too low if they, because you, like you said, you have no Matt Breida. My concern is if Matt Breida is out there and then when Miles Gaskin does come back. No, it's just, like, let, 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 be... let's just talk about this week, this ranking, no Breida, no Gaskin, none of this stuff. Is 29 right. too low? Yeah. And that's what I was going to get to is like, it, it might not be a long term thing, but Ahmed, I feel would be high. Like, I feel better about Ahmed than trying to predict if it's Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette. 
I worry about the upside in some of this stuff too, because at least Fournette has showcased a bit of upside, and we saw what Ronald Jones's upside is going to be like. That offense is just so much better. It sure is, but we're also talking about he's Salvin Ahmed. If there is no Matt Breda, we're going. He's walking back into 90 percent of the work again. That's that's the real appeal. Like, really, honestly, what's the difference between Duke Johnson and Ahmed? They're both like the only other person that ran the ball for the Texans last week was actually Deshaun Watson. It wasn't even another running back. So what's the difference between Duke and Ahmed? That's actually a very good point. I would assume it would be pass catching prowess, but for whatever reason, Deshaun Watson hates checking down. And Ahmed's pretty good in that. The biggest complaint I had about Ahmed is he tries to do too much. It kind of gets dancey at times, but I, I kind of would put them in the same bucket for this week. Actually, to be honest with you, I'd put Duke Johnson, Balaj, and Ahmed all kind of right in the same group. All right, so you, you're comfortable with Ahmed over Ronald Jones this week? Yeah, right. I am. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, just mostly because I'm never comfortable with Ronald Jones, period. Yeah, it's a tough situation to be in. I mean, we talked this through last week. I had Fournette higher than Jones, but the reason I had Fournette so low and Jones up a bit higher was just like, I don't know, I'm throwing my hands up here. Like, it could be one of them should have a really good game. Couldn't tell you which one it's going to be. <laughs> and you can't this week. It should be Ronald Jones. But, I mean, God, if he fumbles again, <laughs> he might not see the field for the rest of the season. So I'll bump up Ahmed to number 22. So now it goes Edward Solaire, Balaj, Ahmed, Duke Johnson, Ronald Jones. I bumped down Duke a little bit because I think that's a very well-said point. Let's say Matt Breda is active. What do you anticipate happening in the Dolphins' backfield? I think that Ahmed would still be the lead, but kind of more in a 50-50, maybe 60-40 split at best because Breda is going to be used in the passing game just of his ability, his speed. Hey, do you know how fast Matt Breda is, Pat? Uh, just all that upside of what we've seen from Breda. I, I would think you get close to a situation where it's almost a 50-50 split. I mean, honestly – Trying to think of like like I'm trying to look at another back. You could go to the Ronald Jones situation with Leonard Fournette. That probably is a good comparison. Is that he's Ronald Jones and could be the best option, but it could be Breida who is Fournette and he could be the best option depending on the game script. So against the Broncos, with how they've been looking, you know they can put up points even when Drew Locke is playing like crap. So. I would probably lean Brita, but I wouldn't feel great about it. Yeah, and if he comes back, obviously Ahmed would drop back down in the rankings. Again, the rankings get updated every single day, so just check back at dkplaybook.com or just hit the description of the video or pod, and you can find all the links very easily right down there. 31 to 40, I go Jordan Wilkins. because it's, it's such a great matchup that one of these guys is going to do something. <laughs> I really wish I knew which one. J.K. Dobbins at 32, Joshua Kelly, Malcolm Brown, Jonathan Taylor, Jamal Williams, Le'Veon Bell, Michael Pirine, Adrian Peterson, and Rex Burkhead. I don't know why I feel this way, but I feel like it's going to be a big Adrian Peterson week. I don't have the guts to rank him any higher because I have no basis for this, but against Carolina, like everyone's just all over Swift, just projecting what Matt Patricia is thinking right now, and it's probably just, you know, an old-timey turtle, like, going like this, or, like, someone sewing in the background. Not much going on up there, it doesn't feel like. It'd be like, oh, man, great place to establish Adrian Peterson against this terrible run defense. We, we want it to be swift. We know it should be swift, but it would make far too much sense for Adrian Peterson to be like, oh, 25 carries for him. <laughs> I just, I'm laughing this entire time. Well, for two reasons. For some reason, when you did that, I was picturing, like, the the turtle from Pokemon war turtle. I don't know why, but the other part is because I already had this thought yesterday. I'm with you. I, I, I'm not ranking him higher just as you're not, I'm not pulling down Deandre Swift, but there's something that nagging in the back of your mind of like, Oh my God, 
this is the week. This is the week that Adrian Peterson gets 20 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown and Swift gets seven touches. So I, I can't disagree with you either way. Like you're not going to put him higher. I'm not going to put him higher, but it's just, a, it's that, Oh my God. I just, I'm waiting for the rug to be pulled out. The one I was actually going to ask you about was the Michael P Ryan, because there's another one. Do you not, there's this, you don't believe Gase or you don't believe the reports, or you just don't believe that even if the reports are true, he's not going to do anything anyway. That door number three, Mr. Seeley, <laughs> even if he gets a hundred percent of the carries and touches, what was that really mean? Like 20 yards? <laughs> I it'd probably be a little bit more than that, but yeah, it's the Jets. They're, they'll run. But Frank, Joe Flacco's that quarterback. They will run Frank Gore into the fucking ground, man. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> the hey, you know they want to see what they how. Even if this report's true, and let's even say they finally do, what the hell were you doing all season long to not see if P Ryan was your future? Like, what the hell are you doing with a seventy-five-year-old Frank Gore when you're going to go zero and sixteen? I, t- I I couldn't tell you what the Jets are doing. It's all part of the tank. That's what I'm assuming. <laughs> and that's why they haven't fired Gase, because he's their best case to get the number one pick. <laughs> and maybe this is all just a play. Maybe this the, this was their intention going into the year. Let's tank as much as possible. He's playing 3D chess? <laughs> yeah, he is. Like, he's not breaking out any of his good plays. He's coaching backwards. Then all of a sudden, he comes out next year. He's coach of the year, Adam Gase. <laughs> oh my god i can't imagine what tim would be doing <laughs> oh t- tim with like trevor lawrence and like another first round pick he's going to project them to go somehow 21 and 0 next year <laughs> i was gonna say 14 and 2 but that's better no it's just they're gonna beat teams by so much it's gonna count as two wins or something stupid like that. oh well they do have the extra game next year so you can you can throw that in there there's an extra game next year seven next year starts the 17 games Really? Yeah. I thought it was just, I thought it was an extra bye week. They're actually going to a 17th game? I'm almost positive because this year was the playoffs and next year was the schedule. Oh, I thought that was just, I, a, I, could I, be wrong. I, I didn't realize that was official. I thought that was just a proposal. I think, I mean, I could search while you go into your next rankings. Oh, God. Does that mean an extra week of work? Kill me now. Yes. <laughs> week 17 is bad enough uh, anyway. And starting in 2000. Ugh. Starting in 2021, in all likelihood, the NFL will move to a 17-game regular season as permitted with the new CBA. Oh, boy. I have Rex Burkhead at number 40. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I just ruined your day. Yeah, you did ruin my day. You ruined my wife. You ruined my holidays, put it that way, next year. My holidays this year are already ruined. Christmas time next year is going to be an even bigger disaster. I know this is the worst thing. We're going to be like week 15-ish probably, or maybe even championship week every year now from going forward. Or, no, wait. No, this guy will be trying to get to the championship. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holidays are screwed. We, Rex Burkhead, everybody. <laughs> what are we doing for, like, how does that adjust the fantasy playoffs? Do we still just stop at week 16? We would have to, right? No, we'd have to stop at week 17. And then week 18 would be the game that you you don't play. You don't play. That, that would be the new 17. Oh, man. <laughs> I can see why they did it. The money. You know, the hand thing means the money. Obviously. But, oh, man. That, that's not great. Uh, Burkhead, sex Rex. Yes, yeah, Burkhead. <laughs> I don't know. He's the new James White. <laughs> like J- James, James White's all of a sudden done, and now Rex Burkhead's James White. I, I missed that. Can you I mean, say that again, please? I said he's the new James White. They turned Burkhead into James White, and now James White is done. Yeah. So play James White is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, because that's what Bill Chuck would do to us exactly. Um, any other guys from down here? You want to consider like Cam Akers showed some life, but he's playing the Bucks. That's not great. No, and all three of them, there were the different. They 
different ranking for number of uh, rush attempts and then different ranking for number of routes run. So uh, same thing actually we saw with the Ravens. I don't want to touch either one of these backfields if I don't have to. I know some of us out there have to, but until Akers actually gets to, I would just, even if he had like 14 touches, I'd feel better about it, but I don't want anything to do with either of these backfields as long as I can prevent it. I went through the playoff schedules at each position on Monday's show, the waiver wire show that's up on Mayo media network right now. Subscribe, please. Uh, if you want to find out some trade targets or which guys have some of the better matchups weeks, 14, 15 and 16. One of those is the Tennessee Titans, uh, three excellent rushing matchups, three excellent matchups overall in the fantasy playoffs. I was thinking about handcuffs because this is usually the time of year. And I know a lot of handcuffs are owned already, like the good handcuffs, but Right. If Derrick Henry goes down, do you think it's Donta Foreman who's going to be the guy, I do. not McNichols? Because I'm going to pick up Foreman like everywhere on this waiver wire, just a stash at the back end of my bench. If he never has to do anything, then he never has to do anything. But if Derrick Henry goes out, I feel like he's going to be the guy. I feel like he'll be the guy as well. They wanted him to be the guy when they brought him in. Uh, they wanted him to be able to just, you know, spell Henry at some times. Obviously, if you look at him, he's actually more... It's what I was talking about with the Austin Eckler when he went down with Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly is that Jackson replaces Eckler as a player, as a similar talent. If Derrick Henry went down, Donta Foreman replaces him as a talent. McNichols probably still sprinkled in and sprinkled in more than when Henry is out there. So you probably wouldn't see 85% like you're seeing with Henry. But given that schedule, as you mentioned, that's part of the reason why I was actually trying to trade for Derrick Henry with like a Christian McCaffrey trade before he got hurt for the second time in some leagues, because that schedule is glorious. He's going to do what he just did last year if he's healthy. But that's the appeal of Foreman. You would put Foreman probably, I'd say fringe RB1, because I would assume he would get 60 to 70 percent, maybe even a little bit more of the work. Uh, but I do think it would be a little bit more sprinkling it of McNichols or even if um, the, uh, Darrington Evans is able to come back before the end of the year. I would say probably at best, like a 60-40. Not at best. That's why I would be projecting a 60-40 split between the two. And maybe you luck into like a 75-25. But in those matchups, that could really come through. It's just a proactive move. Like You're on your way to the playoffs right now, and you don't need to have Derrick Henry on your team in order to go pick up Foreman. I would say the same thing for Devonta Booker as well. Like He's getting enough run that it's very clear that if Jacobs goes out, it's going to be a lot of Booker. Yes, I completely agree with you. I added him to my next man up section. It's got like Brian Hill, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison. If they, they happen, Madison, if they happen to be sitting out there in leagues, which they shouldn't be, to the exact conversation we're having right now. Uh, the other one is Divina Zigbo. He's the only one now behind James Robinson. They don't have a great schedule, but Chris Thompson, as you mentioned, got hurt. They already lost. Basically, they actually they did. They lost everybody else. Zigbo is the only one left behind James Robinson. Uh, right now. Not true. Did you see who was catching passes for them last week? Our favorite anti-drug specialist, Dare. <laughs> Dare Agubawale. Yes. I thought he, I thought he got uh, I thought he got hurt too. He got hurt in that game as well. He was he got like four passes. I know, but I thought he got hurt. I thought I legitimately think or thought that they had nobody left. I I didn't yeah. see. I, I I mean I stopped. Oh watching. wait, no, that's that's earlier this year. Hamstring. Yeah, I, he played the end of that. I swear to God, I saw him on the field at the end of that game. Okay. All right. Well, so eh, yeah. So He's not still. getting any it's, carries. It's, He's only there to catch passes. No. <laughs> yeah, it's still Dario Gumbale. I would worry about is it like not to say that like you wouldn't pick up a Zigbo if James Robinson went out, but I think a lot of this has to do with like James Robinson's pretty good. I just don't know if Zigbo is good yes. or not. Yes, I agree with both. Yeah, uh, and I'm a little less excited about a Zigbo with knowing if Ongwale is healthy, 
don't feel as good about it. And again, their schedule is not that great. Their running back schedule is actually why some people were considering trading away James Robinson to get away from that team. The only reason that I bring up Foreman and Booker as a part of this conversation, you kind of hit on it, that, you know, Latavius Murray, Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, these guys are owned. Uh, You can't go pick up these players, but you can go pick up Foreman and Booker if you have the bench spots. I'm cutting in leagues where I'm like coasting to the playoffs right now. I'm cutting my wide receiver six and picking up these guys. I'm also picking up the Browns defense because why not? (laughs) I mentioned them last week, Giants and Jets to finish things out. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Wide receiver sixes at this point, even running back fives and sixes, if they're just those, hey, I was going to use them on a bye week type of guys at this point. Like, go back to the Rams. Uh, I understand that there might be upside if somebody gets hurt again or somebody finally breaks through. But if you want to draft or drop Malcolm Brown to go pick up, actually, the, the big ones, it, I would definitely drop them for the big ones like Latavius Murray, Madison, and stuff like that. But if you wanted to drop them for Booker, I'm not going to, and you are a Jacobs owner, I, I have no problem with that. Even if you, I, I, I don't really care if I own the guy or not, just having the handcuff is good enough for me. If someone gets hurt, then I'm in. I, I actually kind of like owning other people's handcuffs. Like it, Mike, Mike Davis was the perfect example. I just drafted him in the last round of every league. Christian McCaffrey goes down. I'm like, oh, now I have a starting running back. This is great. And I'll just be adding another one to the mix. And it prevents that guy who owns the starter in my league from actually having the backup. It's great. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you just love being able to screw people over in your leagues. But yes, obviously, you know, you want to have options on there. But at the same time, I don't want my own. I don't want every single running back on my bench to be a handcuff, because then if, you know, if you do suffer an injury or do you, there's still bye weeks left, you don't have anybody to play. Sure. You can always drop those guys if need be, though. Yeah, but we'll go back to McKissick. If you got somebody like McKissick or Rex Burkhead or something like that, all right, I can get away with him for what? Like, I would have one of those guys and then the rest, like the the high-end backups. Sure, but this is an especially unique year to do something like this because most leagues added extra bench spots because of the COVID list. Sure, if you have the spots, absolutely. Wide receivers for week 11. Likely in, I got Lazard. Amendola, Watkins, and Tyler Lockett. I mean, we'll obviously know about him. That game is on Thursday night. Likely out. Chenault, Galladay, Edelman, Traquan Smith, and Adam Humphreys. Hump Daddy? Probably not going to play again with his head injury. Still a devastating shot to go watch. Preston Williams is out. He is on injured reserve. That leads to the rankings. Devontae Adams, number one. Number two, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley, Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett at number 10. This is assuming he's playing, so I'm going to play him against the Cardinals. Michael Thomas, number seven. You worried about him? <laughs> uh, yes and no. Uh, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm worried that he's still lingering injury-wise. Uh, if he isn't, then I'm not worried at all because this is just what we saw last year with Saquon Barkley. This is what we saw to a different degree with Gronkowski at the beginning of this year, he wasn't injury related to start the season, but he had a lot of time off. It's just players sometimes take a few weeks to get going. Obviously, we talked about earlier in the show with the running backs. A lot of times the running backs are easier to hit the ground running. No, no pun intended, but we've seen this before. This isn't the first time. And they go right to Saquon Barkley last year as Barkley looks at me both times. I say that uh, the fact is, is it could just be he's getting back to 100 percent game speed. I talked to you before and I've brought this up and not to name drop Mike Tomlin, but I asked Mike Tomlin about Le'Veon Bell a few years ago in that offseason, the one where he was going to sit out and all that type of stuff. And he was saying, 
I don't care how good the player is. I don't care how much I trust them of being game shape. I know they'll be in game shape. The problem is there's a big difference between training every day and getting hit on the practice field, actually being out there with the team. So I'm not worried if that's what's wrong with Michael Thomas is just he's getting up the game speed. And I actually think Jameis Winston could help him because he is a great deep ball guy. He wins contested passes. And Drew Brees is, I think, honestly hurting Michael Thomas in this passing game a little bit because of his arm. Are the Saints better or worse with Jameis Winston? I think I think they might be better. Here's why. I, I'll, I, here, here's I, why I, I will say that they're not going to be better, and I really hope that they are because I love Jameis. But there is a, there is a consistency to Drew Brees that you know what you're getting from him, and I know the defense is kind of key on that. They can play their safeties up because they know that no one's going to go over the top on them. But in terms of how that offense tends to run, you know, Drew Brees rarely turns the ball over. Like, there's an efficiency to that offense, which is really good. And Jameis, you just don't know what you're getting. Like, he's going to take shots. He's going to throw <laughs> picks. And maybe it opens up the offense, and it looks completely different. That's what I'm hoping for because I love Jameis, like I said. Uh, but this could really backfire in a really bad way. It's kind of funny. Like, if... We've talked all throughout the course of the season about all of these quarterbacks who ended up signing, whether it's like Rivers. Uh, I guess Bridgewater has been a really good signing, so I wouldn't say that one. But Rivers especially, where he goes out and gets 25 million bucks. And like Dalton even gets like 7 million to sit on the bench for the Cowboys. Jameis signs this deal for basically no money. And with each passing week where Drew Brees didn't seem like he was going to be you know, the Drew Brees of old, and he hasn't been, but they're still winning games and so no one really cares, that Jameis' stock only goes up without ever having to throw a pass that if he had just entered the market <laughs> next year without throwing a pass he would have got like 20 million dollars a year but now he actually has to hit the field yeah it's that like with the matt castle you know you, you only hit the this is different because he hit the field a couple times but it's like the patriots thing oh he looked good in his two games and all he's doing is just sitting on the bench outside of that and all of a sudden yeah he could he could lead our team i could see that argument at the same time i'm gonna go back to Jameis Winston, we know he's aggressive. You know, maybe this team helps him out a little bit in the fact of the coaching. And also, he got LASIK, remember? It, it could just be his vision. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't he would have to get, like, a LASIK sponsorship if this really works out for him, wouldn't he? I mean, I would think so. I would think there would have to be some type of commercials or whatever. If he goes out there and for the plays the rest of the season or until Drew Brees comes back and only throws one or two picks that entire time versus eight, nine, 10, 11 touchdowns. Yeah, you, you, there would have to be something about that. If the Saints start to roll here and look awesome on offense, what percent chance that Brees doesn't come back even when he's healthy is there a zero percent chance that he doesn't get his job back is there like a five percent like let's say they're awesome with Jameis. what happens he doesn't get wally pipped he's drew freaking breeze I, I, you, you, you think that but the nfl is a different different animal here uh it's still it's drew breeze at this point i would look i'll i'll happily leave if there's a vegas bet on it i will lose money on this one even if the odds were like <laughs> minus a thousand money line i if he's healthy it's his job there's no question in my mind about it the i would think that the only way that Jameis would keep the job is if he played at essentially an mvp level i don't even think then i just don't that'd be hard because we saw it last year <laughs> teddy played well but it's not like he was lighting the world on fire either. He was game managing. Essentially, Teddy Broad Bridgewater last year is what Drew Brees is doing this year. So right. it would take like an extra effort from Jameis. Like if all of a sudden he's averaging That's... 400 yards a game. The LASIK has worked perfectly. The offense opens up and they start rolling everyone by 30 points a game. 
I, I still, I don't even care if he's throwing 400, 400 yards and four touchdowns a game. I just, I think that Breeze is, he's back. Once he's back, he's back. Wide receivers 11 to 20. Robbie Anderson. This is assuming Teddy Bridgewater is playing, by the way. Jamison Crowder, Will Fuller, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, Deontay Johnson, Chris Godwin, Justin Jefferson, D.J. Moore, and T. He Higgins against the Washington footballs. Let's just roll into the 20s here. You got Jacoby Myers at number 21, because now he throws touchdowns. That's great news. Devontae Parker, <laughs> Brennan Cooks, Tim Patrick, Tyler Boyd, Hollywood Brown, Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool, Marvin Jones, and Christian Kirk. I don't really know what to make of the... I have Godwin at number 17, and I have Evans and Antonio Brown outside the top 30. Now, one of those guys could spike. All it takes is a touchdown to get inside there. But this seems like a particularly bad matchup against the Rams for... I, I actually think the Rams are a perfect matchup for the Bucks. We'll see how this game plays out. But the way that they can generate pressure with only four guys, we've seen when Brady is under duress so far this season, he's been bad. Yeah, and it would seem to be how you have Godwin first out of the three of them. The usage and the targets for Evans has been surprising, to say the least, for me at least. I, I thought Evans was going to fall to third and be very touchdown reliant, maybe seeing three, four, five targets at most. And yes, a lot of them coming within the red zone. I made the comparison, you know this, on the show that Dak Prescott with Michael Gallup before Dak got hurt. It's been a little, it's been more than that. And so far, it looks like Mike Evans is the best of the three. But you bring up this matchup. Well, Mike Evans is going to draw Ramsey, and Chris Godwin isn't, despite the fact that that secondary is just good overall. So in this matchup, I, I would go with that you, you have Godwin at 17. I don't even know if I would have him that high. I probably, the highest I would put would probably be right about Devontae Parker is where I put Chris Godwin, but I would still have Godwin the first. I have Devontae Parker at 22. I'm just kind of worried about Devontae Parker a little bit, uh, only because... I'm not. He had a touchdown called back. Actually, and it was a tremendous catch. He just couldn't get both feet in. But at the same time, like, there wasn't... You're not going to get bulk volume with Tua as long as the Dolphins are winning, because that's just not how their offense is going to operate. And they, they're, Fair. They're favored in this game against the Broncos. Maybe it doesn't turn out that way. But if they do jump up by a little bit, uh, whether even if it's just like a short turnover because the Miami defense has been so good recently, we don't even know if Drew Locke's playing or not. So I just worry that the volume overall is going to really cap his upside, where I do think against the Rams, Godwin is going to guy be Godwin or Gronk are going to be the two guys with the most targets on the Bucs this week. <laughs> It certainly could be. Hell, it could be Antonio Brown. Are you kidding me? It could be any of them. Just, just thinking about it on paper with how this team sets up. Like Brown, they're using in unique ways, whether it's like a fake reverse and then throwing in the ball once he cuts back the other way. That was actually a really coolly designed play by Byron Leftwich. But if those two guys are going to be on the outside and Gronk and Godwin are going to be primarily playing out of the slot inside the hashes, that's where I'd want to attack the Rams. Right. And to go back to the Williams guy, I, I'm trying to, uh, is it Darius, his first name? The the corner that's actually been playing on Ramsey's level this year that people just don't still realize. Hell, I can't even remember if that, that's definitely his first name. I think it's Darius. But for Williams playing outside you, to that point, you know, more Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin's got the best matchup. Actually, it's a very favorable matchup. That's the one area we've talked about this multiple times. The Bills, although their defense is just terrible overall at this point, but the Rams was you tacked them in the slot. Ravens, too, over the middle of the field in the slot. So that's their one vulnerability. So I'm, that's why I'm with you on Godwin. I just, I, I, I'm just i just hesitant to have any of them inside the top 20. 
God, like I said, God 117 is going to be my guy. It is Darius Williams who will likely be on Antonio Brown. You're correct. A lot of people don't realize that he's playing almost up to the level of Ramsey, if not better in most games. It's just Ramsey gets all the pub because people actually know what his name is. Right. A hundred percent. And, you know, you could have the people that push back. I've seen them. The pushback. Well, he's getting the number two receiver instead of the number one. So it still gives Ramsey more credit, blah, blah, blah. The point is he's been shut down corner. This The one, you know what? We skip right past him. The other Brown. I don't even have, I'm not even putting Marquise Brown as a wide receiver three anymore at this point. We're done chasing it. Like I, if you want to drop him, go ahead and drop him. Cause when are you going to play him? Like he's shown up three times this year. I understand the argument for him because the argument for him is opportunity share. He's getting all these air yards. He's getting all these targets. He's getting all these. It doesn't matter if he's not catching any of them. And <laughs> Marquise Brown has been unusable for weeks. How far down do you think I should drop him? Am I at 26? Should he be in like the Michael Pittman range? No, well, yeah, actually, I was going to put him right there, but I think he has the same risk level as Amari Cooper now. So, Amari, would you play Amari or would you play Hollywood Brown? I would play Amari Cooper because he's playing the Vikings. So I'd stick him in between Amari Cooper and Antonio Brown then? That's where I would put him. You don't have to put him that low, but I just put him there. I, I have no sort of affiliation to Hollywood Brown. He's been garbage. <laughs> That's the problem. He's been garbage. Um, so that bumps up. Travis. Plus, I guess Travis Fulgham into your top 30, which is nice. It does. It makes him number 30. Um, I'm going to give him a mulligan on last week, but I do have deep Bradbury. concerns. Sure, it, it might have been Bradbury, but Bradbury wasn't on him exclusively throughout that entire game. So just with so many It more- was the majority. Sure, but with so many more receivers coming back, like is it a product of them just avoiding one player or is it a product of there just being not a concentrated market share for him anymore? Sure, and I brought this up. So uh, I have him as a sleeper in my rankings column this week, and I use him as sleepers because it's not a true. Everybody knows Fulgham at this point, but that they're hesitant to go back to him because everything you're saying. There is that concern because Carson Wentz was part of the problem, and he only had five targets, that being Fulgham in that game. And if you watch the entire game, I wouldn't call all five of those. I know I haven't even looked up the stat, but I know all five of those weren't catchable passes. And Wentz, to your point, is similar or dissimilar from the week before with Terry McLaurin is they just found ways to get Terry McLaurin the ball and Terry McLaurin got away from Bradbury targeted the living hell out of him and even targeted him a few times when Bradbury is on him where you're right. And that is my concern as well as they have Jalen Rager. Now Dallas Goddard is getting back towards hundred percent. Alshon Jeffrey is on the field for whatever that matters, but you have Miles Sanders and Boston Scott out of the backfield. So there isn't the need to force feed him the ball. So it's not so much Fulgham as I am worried about Carson Wentz. That's, that's really what it comes down to. 31 through 40. So Fulgham is now 30. That leaves Robert Woods at number 31, who I do have deep concerns about. He's my guy for like the first eight weeks of the season. Now he's trash. DJ Chark. Yeah, Amari, what happened? Yeah, Josh Reynolds. <laughs> DJ Chark, Amari Cooper, <laughs> Marquise Brown, Antonio Brown, Jarvis Landry, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, Curtis Samuel, Juju Smith, Shushka. Um, he's just always going to be the guy who's third for me on the Steelers. He can definitely outperform this number. I just prefer the other two guys more. And then in terms of rankings this is how I would go with it. I have Emmanuel Sanders at number 41. I think he's a big beneficiary of Jameis starting now, especially against the Falcons. I like the matchup. Lazard is just in a good spot if he can actually come back because he's going to be the number two. Corey Davis, Mike Williams, Brashad Perriman, who seems to be like Flacco's boy and Flacco's starting again. Reger, Lamb, Jakeem Grant, Danny Amendola if he plays, Sammy Watkins if he plays, then we're into like Rashard Higgins, Henry Ruggs, David Moore, KJ Hamler, like these type of guys who all present different upsides, but 
really does come with more downside than anything like rugs and hamler although hamler has 10 targets in each of the past two weeks he just does nothing with them he does yeah well that's because the 10 target they're so all over the place it's either hey let's use this guy in the slot as he should be a very dangerous weapon or let's send him 40 yards downfield and try to throw a jump ball to the guy that's 5'8 like it just the usage of him is just baffling to me. The very first game he played this year, when I said he was used primarily outside, I said, "If this is, I'm not saying I'm smarter than an NFL coach, yeah, but in are. the same that, way, I'm Jake, like Jake, just say I, it. I was gonna say Jake, Jake just say it. <laughs> I I'm smarter than, than to know and not to send KJ Hamler on deep routes every single play when you're five eight. I don't care how good you are. There's there's a problem there. Uh, the two names because you always say like are there any names down in this range? There's two. One is I'm constantly, I'm done at this week. I said the same thing in my waiver column. I'm done telling people to pick them up. I'm done telling people to rank them higher. If you don't want to, that's fine. But Keelan Cole, tired of the disrespect. Keelan Cole is at least a wide receiver four, if not better. He's been a wide receiver three actually all this year. Even in a tough matchup like this, the good news is that when Luton has to think quickly, he's going to Keelan Cole, as we've already seen through his first two starts. Keelan Cole, great player. Uh, The other one is I would roll the dice on Michael Gallup with Andy Dalton back only because he's the biggest air yard per target guy. If you're in this range, I'm not starting, I'm not saying start him over the other two Cowboys, but if you're taking a flyer on guys in this range, if he connects on two of those passes, you could just be looking at 60 yards in a blink. Could be. Um, I would say that Luton, if Chenault doesn't come back, like I think I have Chris Conley ranked over Keelan Cole. Just that seems to be his primary option. Like if he's looking down the field and in that windstorm, he just wasn't going to do that against with DJ Chark. Uh, I mean, Cole right. really salvaged his day by returning a kickoff for a touchdown. No, but it's the volume of the show. I'm, again, this is about the matchup and getting pressure after the quarterback and making him have to look quickly. And if you're looking quickly, it's not Conley. And although I do agree, he has been looking Conley's way a decent amount, similar to Gardner Minshew at last year when everybody was all over Didi and ended up being Conley and Chark. So maybe there's just something about Conley. Maybe he's the guy too. <laughs> Potentially. I just With this matchup, I, don't, I just don't want to start. I barely want to start Chark uh, <laughs> when we get down to the other two. Like, ugh. Why? The Steelers love giving up 20-plus yard plays. It, it, then if that's the case, then Chark is going to have a good game. Right. The I'm other, with you. And the other but, two will not. Uh, but again, I could go back to Cole for the opportunity here. It could be a volume. It's going to be a Julian Edelman type game. You're hoping for seven for 60. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even bank on that with Luton against the Steelers, though. He might throw for a, like, a total of 140 yards or something stupid. I wish I could <laughs> rank Mike Williams higher, but like he can't do anything unless Keenan Allen's not on the field. Uh, he can't do anything. He can't, he, Bailey doesn't seem like he can stay through a game healthy. Him and Deontay Johnson. Good God. Well, when at least when Deontay Johnson does, he scores like 30 fantasy points. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But the, yeah, they're both that get banged up every single week. And, he, you know, I don't disagree with you on this. It's something we talked about Herbert in his first start and his second start. And every start after that is just it's Keelan Cole first and Keelan Cole second. You just might as well just throw out everybody's in a chase for the third opportunity. Ke- Ke- Keenan Allen. Yeah, Keenan Allen. Sorry. Yeah, I just I'm stuck on Keelan Cole. Now. Yeah, your your boy Keelan Cole. All right, let's go to tight ends. Uh, tricky week at tight end. Uh, when we break down the DraftKings main slate on Thursday, Mike and I, uh, it's brutal because, you know, with Kittle being out, Kelsey off the main slate, uh, it's not glorious. Uh, I do have Kelsey at number one. I guess I should go through the injuries. I have Irv Smith and Jack Doyle is likely in. Ertz and Nick Boyle, who's out for the year, as out obviously. Travis Kelsey one. I got the Hawk. <laughs> Number two, TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, who sucks, Rob Gronkowski, Noah Fant, Hayden Hurst, Logan Thomas, Hunter Henry, Jared Cook. That's the top ten. Then I got Janu Gesicki. 
Austin Hooper. Maybe Hooper gets back more involved week two coming off the appendicitis. And, and apparently the weather in Cleveland is just going to be god-awful every single week. Uh, then Ebron, Schultz. <laughs> like, basically, I kind of trust Logan Thomas. Like, the top five, I think, is the top five. You have Fant, Hurst, and Logan Thomas, who I think just get enough volume every week that they're not going to be a zero in your lineup. Like they're Mm -hmm. probably good for like three for 55 at least or something like that. And they'll probably end up between four and eight targets. Like that's amazing consistency at the tight end position. Then from like Hunter Henry down to (laughs) Will Disley, like you can rank these guys in any order you want. They're more likely to score three points than 20. That's true. I mean, at least Hunter Henry has been on the way up. He's been getting the targets. What was it? Three for 23. And then, three for 43 or something like that, or 33 years. He was moving. What what a legend. (laughs) I'm saying he was moving. He did it two weeks in a row, almost at the exact same line and then did it almost again. And then finally broke through last week. He's been getting the volume. It just hasn't turned around. So I mean, I would put Henry. He did. He had four catches for 30 yards. He just happened to be in the end zone for one of them. Right. And that's what I'm saying. It's like the yards and the catches are st- they're staying constant, but you need that touchdown. So where I'm saying is like I would put him right there where you have him too is in like that next group. The Fant, Hurst, and Thomas, the thing that helps is Hurst and Thomas both have really good matchups with the Saints and the Bengals going against tight end. So I'm in agreement with you. Uh, also, I think that, yeah, Mark Andrews isn't even in the conversation with the top three anymore. Actually, it's Kelsey by himself, Hawkinson and Waller, which you kind of pierced my ear on that Hawk thing. Uh, and then Andrews is now in the conversation with Gronkowski. I would say that Waller's in that conversation too. Like Waller, Waller's either really good or he does nothing. It seems like they specifically scheme to get <laughs> Darren Waller involved or he's just not a part of the game plan. Yeah, that's so what Hawkinson's on a tier of his own now. Kind of. Yeah. Like he's been really good this year. <laughs> So here's a question for you because I've been feeling this one because the Ravens have such a terrific schedule for the last three weeks. Would you rather have Hawkinson or Andrews the rest of the season? Probably Andrews just because of that upside. Now with Boyle out for the year, Boyle was playing more snaps than Andrews because he was a blocking time. Maybe they force Andrews to block more, and that would be severely detrimental to his fantasy upside. But like he dropped another touchdown. Mark <laughs> Andrews in prime time only drops touchdowns. That's his game. Mark Andrews has essentially turned into Eric Ebron this year. That's really what happened. It's kind of crazy. I wish Goddard was better. Like, why isn't he? Be- is this all just Wentz? I think a lot of it is Wentz. And maybe Goddard, similar to Michael Thomas, just hasn't gotten back into the flow of things because we were all excited, myself included, for Goddard. My biggest detractor for Goddard at the beginning of the season was saying that, well, Ertz is out there, so how much value are you going to put into the second tight end? And we saw last year down the stretch, yeah, he was a tight end one as the second tight end, but that's also because Ertz was the number one wide receiver and Goddard was the number two, and Greg Ward was mixed in there somewhat. Greg Ward was the number one wide out. So the concern for this year was, oh, if they have wide receivers, then where is Goddard's value going to come from? Well, now they don't even have Ertz, and he's still not going yet. Uh, And Ertz is getting close. I think he's, what, only a week or two away? If it doesn't happen within the next week or two, especially against the Browns, the Browns are a good matchup. I think that Goddard has to hit this week, or I don't even know how you start him anymore. Week 11 quarterback rankings. Again, all of the rankings will be updated on DKPlaybook.com. You can find the link in the description. Yeah, description and the comment section of the video and into the (laughs) description of the podcast if you're looking for them. We got... Kyler Murray, number one. Russell Wilson, number two. That's an easy one. Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> number three. Tom Brady, number four. Herbert Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Jameis Winston. You're good with Jameis at 10, right? Like, if you're going to play Jameis, you play him this week. This is the best matchup he's probably going to have for the rest of the year. 
hundred percent. If you're not playing Jameis Winston this week, then don't even bother picking him up. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, unless you're blocking another team and you have Deshaun Watson and you're just preventing like a potential playoff team to come against you or even your opponent this week. But yeah, if you pick up Jameis Winston, I'm putting it in my line. I have Teddy Bridgewater and Cam Newton on a team. I'm picking up Jameis Winston, hopefully, and going to be putting him in my lineup. I have Cam at number 11, Ben Roethlisberger yeah. at number 12. Stafford, Wentz, Tannehill, Burrow, Alex Smith, Kirk Cousins, Teddy B, and then Derek Carr against the Chiefs. I'm not as out on Cam Newton as you seem to be. I'm just his rushing upside prowess is still there. It is a terrible run defense, so presumably he can rush a touchdown <laughs> in. But that's what we're hoping for. That that's essentially a hundred percent. And I said, uh, because if he doesn't run for a touchdown. He's not even a top 15 quarterback, probably not even top 20. I'm not disagreeing in saying there isn't great opportunity in this game. I just have a tough time trying to buy into a quarterback that I need to be 40 to 50 rushing yards and a touchdown. He's essentially their goal line running back, and he has been. But that's just tough for me to swallow as a quarterback in my fantasy league. That That's, that's really what it comes down to. Well, the issue is all the guys after him, I guess Roethlisberger has a pretty good matchup, but that's a much better running matchup than it is a passing matchup, although you can kind of do whatever you want to the Jags. Uh, but coming <laughs> off the four-touchdown game, you probably just reverse revert back into old Roethlisberger where it's like 350 yards, no touchdowns. That's classic Ben Roethlisberger stuff. Then everyone else's matchup is kind of bad. Like, I don't trust Alex Smith whatsoever. That's a good matchup. I was about to bring him up. Like, he's fine, but like, you, do you have any trust in him? Uh, I think I trust him to throw for 300 yards again against the Bengals. Maybe, but I mean, he threw for almost 400 yards last week and scored like 17 fantasy points. That's because he's not throwing touchdowns. He's throwing a ton of yards. He's also the, he's throwing a ton of yards because he's throwing a billion checkdowns and short yardage opportunities. Like if you told me he's throwing for not even 390, if he's 300 yards, you would think like that would come with at least one, if not two touchdowns against the Bengals. That's look, I'm not making a case like definitely start Alex Smith over Cam Newton, but I think it's intriguing at least to say the least. Yeah. I could see if you wanted a higher floor that probably gets presented with Alex Smith, if you want upside, you go with Cam yes. Newton, which is kind of, it almost sounds backwards, but yes, just because the rushing floor isn't there every week with Cam Newton, because some weeks they just decide right. not, not to run him at all. But this really strikes me as a week where he's going to be running. When do we start ranking Philip Rivers higher? <sighs> do you I, listen? I never <laughs> want to start the guy, so he's always going to be down in my rankings. <laughs> I, your your reaction is exactly like my thinking, especially you know what I I didn't bring it up when you were going through the wide receiver rankings, and I do love Michael Pittman as uh, I would call him a priority add. But if Jair Alexander is back, I am legitimately concerned about Michael Pittman as a rookie facing Alexander this week, and then also inherently would f f spill over and make me concerned about Rivers. But I think Rivers' last four games, what what's the lowest he's finished? I think fourteen at quarterback. I, I don't know what's the highest he's finished. In the top 10 twice. I know that. But like the past eighth, four weeks. Eighth? I think it's been like, I think it's somewhere. Uh, my guess is, I think it's like sixth, eighth, 12th, and 14th or something like that. I mean, that's good. That's startable for sure. Uh, I just, I feel like that's the best he can do. And it goes bad. <laughs> it definitely and, and, is. And it goes bad if it goes bad. It's Kirk Cousins goes bad if it goes bad. That's the problem. Yeah. Dalton, any love? <sighs> I'd rather start Philip Rivers. <laughs> Yeah. 
defenses. Let's do this right now. I got the Steelers, number one. Probably no shocker there. The Dolphins at number two against either Hurt Drew Locke or who was it? Cal Ripken Jr. Is their backup? Wasn't that the guy who came in <laughs> earlier this year? Uh, the Washington football team at home against the Bengals. The Browns against the Eagles. Chargers against the Jets. Bucks against the Rams. Rams against the Bucks. Broncos at home against the Dolphins. Chiefs at Raiders. Arizona at the Seattle Seahawks. That's a, like five free sacks for you right there. Maybe, you know, sacks, pressure. Russell Wilson's looked off the past few weeks. Vikings, Eagles, Patriots, and Panthers. That's where I'm going as my top 14 defenses this week. Uh, some of those are going to be widely available, so I don't need to rank anymore. Yeah, I think you got a lot of options in there that you could potentially use. By the way, it's Brett Rippon, and it might even be your boy. It could be Jeff Driscoll. Oh, Driscoli. He's back. <laughs> potentially. I think they would go ripping, but who knows? Either way, that's yeah, that's a, that's an attack the situation, whether or not it's lock or not. Yeah, I'm with you for that one. Yeah. Other than that, like you're good with the Bucks and the Rams as viable defenses, right? Yeah, like we've seen this time time and time again. I mean, you could have a good double digit defense score and still give up 30 points in the game, depending on what happens. And the Bucks, the way that they're just able to get pressure in the actually both these teams, the way they're able to get pressure in the backfield. And you talked about Tom Brady earlier. I mean, Tom Brady could throw 300, three touchdowns and two interceptions and still have a fine day between them. I might feel, I might push if it was me. I mean, we'll see afterwards. You know how I do the rankings. I do mine, and then I combine yours with mine to get that great ranking and accuracy. I might be a little bit higher than you are on the Chiefs just because the Chiefs defense has been so good this year. And Derek Carr is usually safe, but he hasn't stopped passing. It's not He's not throwing 35 times a game, but he just passes every single week no matter what. I think that they're a decent floor defense this week because they should get into the backfield, should get a few sacks. But the offensive line for the Raiders has been quite good. And once again, if they're going to try to beat the Chiefs for a second time this season, it's just going to be a lot of Jacobs. And that's Run not, it 41 times yeah, again? It's just not conducive with fantasy scoring. Now, if the Chiefs jump out 14 nothing, like all bets are off. That's kind of that, that would be my that would be my lean, my hope. All right. Jake, your ranking's coming out at midnight. Yeah. You should tell people to subscribe. Get some sleep. You should subscribe to Mayo <laughs> Media Network. That's what you should be telling people. Because that's what I'm telling the people right now. Please subscribe. I want to try to get to 20k subs by the end of football season. That would be nice. What are you at right now? 17. Oh yeah, let's. We could definitely get there. Let's do that. I gave Joe Holko the bump on. Like I told people to do the thumbs up like, and we got like 40 while I was doing his video. Like, go subscribe, you idiots. How about that? Is that better? Yeah, I mean that is a. I mean that's a very Pat Mayo way to entice people, bully them into subscribing. <laughs> I like it. Actually, I don't think that's Pat Mayo enough. I think your way would be go go subscribe, fucktards. No, I, I would never say fucktards. That is not something that I would say. I'd say give your head a shake, pals, if you haven't subscribed there to Mayo go. Media Network yet. What's wrong with you? Anyway, you can follow Jake <laughs> on Twitter at All In Kid. You can check out his work at theathletic.com. Of course, he'll be back on the show next Tuesday. Although next Tuesday is Thanksgiving, right? Or not next well, Tuesday, next but like it's Thanksgiving, yeah, Thanksgiving yeah, yeah. week. Right. It's a, the one time a year Pat Mayo really gets to shine in the content world, Jake. It's my it's my week. <laughs> it's your week. <laughs> I get laughed at for being Canadian 16 of the 17 weeks throughout the year. But hey, when people aren't doing content because they're on Thanksgiving holidays, guess who is? Pat Mayo. I thought last week was your week with the Masters. No, that week almost killed me. <laughs> yeah, that is true. By the, what I tell you, I only got four golfers through happens every every time week. every week did you, you had time. dustin though didn't you yeah i had dustin i still i'd still i my two that i, I didn't get potson and cockrick out both of them 
Actually, I can't believe you played Poston. Were you that guy in my chat who was asking about JT Poston that I had to tell to give his head a shake? No, I don't even know why I ended up on Poston. I don't know why. Don't Here's know the move. How. Bet Poston this week. <laughs> He's 100 to 1. Okay. And you can actually win okay, this event. that's what I'll do. Okay. All right, that'll do it for me. I suck at golf. Yeah, well, <laughs> so do I, but I still get to talk about it and get paid to do it anyway. It's because it's fun. Smash the like button to the episode and tell me where you rank Mike Davis in the comment section. You're looking for those ranks. They're also in the description of this video and up on DKPlaybook.com. DraftKings pricing is already out. I'll have that on Thursday with Mike Leone. Of course, Cust, myself, and Jeff Feinberg will have all the spread picks from DraftKings Sportsbook on Wednesday. And then I'll be back Friday with the injury report and the updated rankings. DraftKings ownership in the comment section will have the live chat live Sunday. Sunday morning with Brad Evans. That'll do it for me. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.